Welcome to the Teaching Through the Eyes of Trauma podcast, where we engage and empower educators and other community leaders to view interactions with students through a trauma-informed and resilience-focused lens. This podcast will focus on providing tools and strategies that will prepare you to realize the widespread impact of trauma, to recognize signs and symptoms of trauma and toxic stress in students, to respond by fully integrating knowledge about trauma-informed and resilience-focused practices, and to seek to actively resist re-traumatization by healing first and educating always. Let's get into the conversation. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching Through the Eyes of Trauma with me, Dr. Smith. Today, our topic is an uncommon inheritance. And so this conversation is going to be about intergenerational trauma. And my guest today is Alma Pinnock, who is a licensed professional counselor and owner of Truth to Healing Counseling. Welcome, Ms. Pinnock. Well, hello, Dr. Smith. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. It's been so long, Absolutely. but I do did want you to tell um, our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. So again, um, my name is Amma Pinnock. I'm a licensed professional counselor, um, and I have been practicing therapy now for about seven years. Um, I own Truth to Healing Counseling in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm based in New Orleans. However, I am also licensed in the state of Louisiana and in Texas. Um, and I do see clients virtually. I see clients from teens to adults, middle-aged adults, and our older adults. So I have a nice size clientele that I see um, primarily dealing with issues of anxiety and stress, depression, life transitions, relationship issues, um, traumas as well, um, and just really helping people get from a stuck, a stuck place to an unstuck place. So it's a really wonderful space to be in as a therapist. Wow. All the things. Right. So thank you again for being here. And today our um, essential question is what happens when you have trauma that is not your own? This episode seeks to understand how an uncommon inheritance can affect the lives of generations. And so I want to start by giving um, our listeners the definition of intergenerational trauma. It's the description of how the traumas of our parents, grandparents, and even great-grandparents can live in our unexplained depression, anxiety, fears, phobias, obsessive thoughts, and physical symptoms, what scientists are now calling secondary PTSD. Mm -hmm. And when I read this, I was like, oh my gosh, like we can inherit trauma. We can inherit anxiety. We can inherit depression mm -hmm. from even our great-grandparents. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the times that our great grandparents lived in, mm -hmm. that's trauma on its own, especially being, you know, a person of color. Our great grandparents didn't have, you know, it all together. They didn't have the luxuries that we have nowadays. And so mm -hmm. I think about all of the things that could have caused them anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't heal from that or didn't seek to receive healing from that, then that can fall on us. Absolutely. Um, I think that's that's an interesting concept because yes, trauma is can be passed down. Um, just like diabetes can be passed down, just mm -hmm. like heart uh, blood pressure can be passed down. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that um, as our families cre were created and our families built generations to come with us, you know, there were just some things that they're they're culturally mm -hmm. that they believed in and culturally yes. that that worked for them. Um, and so it's not so much, you know, that they did anything wrong. It's just that was their means of survival at the time. And so 
because of that mode of survival, it just kind of manifests in the way we interact with our people, with people in our world, in our spaces, how we interact with our relationships. And mm-hmm. so it does have a pretty significant impact um, if it goes unaddressed. Absolutely. So I have a quote here from Mark Wolin, and it says, where we come from affects where we go and what is unresolved in our past influences our present. And so I think that speaks a lot to what you just said about if it's unaddressed, right? Mm -hmm. And, but then it's like, how do you, especially those people who don't have, you know, their grandparents here or they have their great grandparents and grandparents here, but they don't talk about it, right? They don't talk about the things that they've experienced. And so you don't really know what it is that you've inherited. You know, a, a lot of times you know about an inheritance because there's a, a somebody who's over it, right? Over somebody's estate. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody passes on, they explain to you what you've inherited from yeah. your family member. Well, that doesn't, that's not the case for trauma or for anxiety or depression or the things that mm-hmm. they, that you know, your family has been through. So how do we go about identifying, you know what I'm saying? Identifying the source of the anxiety, depression, trauma, especially if it's inherited. And so I think it really has to come down to seeing, to really taking note of patterns. So if we're seeing mm-hmm. changes in behaviors, if we're seeing changes in the way we interact with others, if it, we're starting to find ourselves becoming more isolated, if we're starting to lash out at people and we really don't know where it's coming from, you know, there's so many, there's so many tick marks that we can identify where we might have to take a step back and question whether or not if this is okay. And why are we normalizing this? Like, why are we normalizing being okay yelling at other people when it's really not warranted? Um, And so I think it's really about just kind of being mindful and being aware. And a lot of people aren't really that self-aware because they become so rooted in the chaos that they think that's exactly what it's supposed to look like until someone says no. This isn't what it's supposed to look like. You don't have to raise your voice to get your point across to me. So I think it really has to come down to just a little introspection. But that, again, that comes with being open to that vulnerability and going to therapy and just really having having someone tell you and walk you through some of those problematic areas that you may not really take notice to. It's really interesting how even as a therapist, when we have conversations about, oh, you know, I have issues with my mom and it's just become so terrible and I don't know what to do about her. And then we kind of walk through the the history, the nature of that relationship. And then we start to pick up themes and then we start to notice patterns and where those patterns might've come from in her generation and the generation before her. And then we learn the story as we move forward. And then we see, okay, this is, this is the reason why I do this. This is the reason why I feel this way or think this way. Um, so really is, that's really where it begins. It really begins with kind of taking, questioning whether or not, is this okay? Should I be feeling, doing this? Should I be treating others and behaving this way? And then when you realize it's not, the healing can begin right there. That's good. That's great. Um, so Sigmund Freud's theory of traumatic reenactment, I was reading up on that and they were talking about how this unconscious drive to relive the past events in your family is in repeated unresolved issues or traumas um, in future generations causes you to have this traumatic reenactment, right? Mm-hmm. So in a book that I was reading, 
um, I read about a boy who was, or a young man, and he turned 19. And it was like the week that he turned 19, he started having insomnia real bad. And he would get into the mode where at night he would be freezing, like unexplainable chills, you know, no fever, but unexplainable chills. And he would be freezing and he'd have insomnia and he went into this deep depression mm -hmm. and he feared going to sleep because he thought if I go to sleep, I'm going to die. But he had absolutely no idea like where this thought process came from. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, he, his family had him to to go to therapy and he went to therapy and like you said, they were unpacking the layers, right? Mm -hmm. Unpacking the layers of, you know, just what's going on in his life and in his family's life. And to help with that, they brought in his mother. And his mother told him a story about his uncle on his father's side, who he had never met. Mm -hmm. But in the times where his uncle lived, um, he was a, um, he would hang electric poles in the winter or, you know, in he would hang electric poles. Mm -hmm. And so this one winter, they don't know what happened. Either he got shot, something happened to where he fell in the uh, snow mm -hmm. and no one saw him. And he ended up dying of hypothermia. Mm -hmm. And he died at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. And so the family had this trauma, but they never talked about it. They never talked about, you know, what happened to the uncle and the the a crazy thing about it is when they unpack the layers, like all of the symptoms, like afraid to go to sleep because the the uncle had broken bones and he couldn't get up, but he was afraid to go to sleep because he thought he would die of hypothermia. Yeah. The, the nephew had these unexplainable chills in the middle of the night and was afraid to go to sleep. And he was 19, which was the age that his uncle was when he mm -hmm. died. Mm -hmm. And so they were saying that because the family didn't deal with this trauma, you know, mm -hmm. and they had no, no, um, no real true healing in the family that it was passed on to him without him even knowing it. So I was like, this is a perfect example of yeah. traumatic reenactment. You know, mm -hmm. the fact that this, this boy had these issues that stemmed from something that he never even experienced. So and I'm like, right. It makes, and it was so many stories like that, but it makes me think like every time I have this moment of anxiety I'm like, is this my own anxiety, you know, mm -hmm. or is this something that I have, my family hasn't talked about this. And it makes me, I think, you know, is, is, is there's a purpose in this research, but then there's also kind of a pain in it because it makes me think about every little thing, you know, it makes me think about things that other people do or, or things that other people are experiencing. And then I go into, is that their own trauma, you know, mm -hmm. or, are they exhibiting signs of something that was unresolved in their family's past? And wow. so I just, I just thought that that was just such an interesting story and mm -hmm. just an interesting theory, you know, to think that, oh my God, like this world. It, yeah. <laughs> it makes, it kind of makes sense though. Um, because yeah, I feel like there's, you know, the traumas of our, of our parents and mm -hmm. our grandparents and, those before for before them it does in some way show up it in does. some way even if you've never really had a connection like mm -hmm. a physical connection with that person um you know those behaviors can be passed down and then it's it just is like wait you know how we usually say you know you really remind me of your of your grandmother mm -hmm. she has that same exact you know Absolutely. mannerisms and you know even if they've never really met her she might have you know she might be deceased but yet a four-year-old picks up these habits mm -hmm. that remind or reminiscent of their their grandparents. So it really is an interesting concept that yeah. you know, we, we really wouldn't even know someone. And yet 
somehow we're picking up those those somatic those somatic uh, feelings. That's interesting. Yes, because it says sometimes pain submerges itself mm -hmm. until it can find a pathway for expression or resolution. Mm -hmm. And so it's like your grandma didn't get help for me. You know what I'm saying? This pain that's deep into your family roots was not resolved. So I'm going to continue on until I find a pathway of resolution or a pathway to expression. So I think we have, especially now, you know, now that a lot of times the stigma is being broken on mental health, mm -hmm. you know, um, Today is Mental Health Awareness Day. Um, and so I think now the stigma is beginning to break. Yes. And so I think we are the generation where this expression or resolution is going to be had for our grandparents and our great grandparents um, trauma because they were like trauma has the power to reach out from the past and claim new victims. When mm. I read that, I was like. Oh my gosh, you know, um, so meaning that the parent's trauma becomes the child's own trauma. And then there's so much to where the child's behavioral and emotional issues mirror that of the parents. Yep. And I see that a lot in the school system, Absolutely. you know, where children's children's trauma or their behavior, their expression of their behavior mirrors that of their parents. And then a lot of times when we call them and say, like, this is what's going on and they have they of course they don't they're unaware that it's theirs mm -hmm. but they act exactly like the child does but in a mm -hmm. parent or grown-up fashion and then say i have no idea where my child gets there from mm -hmm. and it's like yeah. they are you you know what i'm saying their behavioral yeah. expression is mirroring yours it may not be as dramatic or it may be a little more dramatic but mm -hmm. it's still you you know it's something that that you have to be like you said self-aware and identify what's going on within you and then able to help yourself and your child. And that's why when we, I encourage when it comes down to child therapy, play therapy, I, I encourage parents to get involved because the therapy cannot just fall on the child. The child, the, the parent must be involved. The parent also needs to be part of the, of the, um, the therapeutic relationship. Because mm -hmm. again, yes, the child might be acting out, might be showing you know signs of these behaviors, but we also need to talk to this parent and and have a one on one with you. Like, so, yes. what are some things that you noticed in your own behaviors that you might see kind of showing up in your child? So, I think it's just really difficult for parents yes. to to take ownership of their part and mm -hmm. in their child's behavior and. I know that doesn't sit well with them because they want to believe they're a good parent. They want to believe they're parenting the best that they can, and they absolutely are. Um, but it doesn't hurt for parents to sit down and really hold that mirror up to themselves and yes. give them that chance to just really see that, okay, maybe, maybe there's some things I need to work on as well. You know, like filial therapy is a really amazing um, concept or approach where the parent and the child interact together. They, the parent mm -hmm. learns how to talk to the child, learns how to interact with the, with the child where they're being more listeners, they're being a little bit more, um, not, not taking over what the child is doing, but just kind of being more of a facilitator in the child's, um, in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's a really great way for parents to reconnect with their kids in a different, in a different space. And so we, I encourage parents to really look into that so that way they can start to see the growth and the, and the healing between them and their children That's over good. time. And I think it even goes back to 
when you're pregnant, right? So even conception, because you know, a lot of times mm -hmm. um, the grandmothers or great grandmothers, grandmothers would be like, don't stress, you know, if you stress, your baby's going to be stressed. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that during pregnancy, like the mother's emotions permeate the baby's world, right? So it influences whether their na basic nature is going to be calm, whether it's going to be troubled, um, receptive, defiant, um, or inflexible. And I think that a lot of people think that a child's uh, personality and their traits come, you know, after mm -hmm. or birth, mm -hmm. but it can also be an environmental influence. Mm -hmm. So if you're stressed and your babies become stressed, you know, during pregnancy, and then they come into a world where you allow, you know, all of this stress and anxiety or these environmental factors to, to kind of help the expression of mm -hmm. their behavior. Mm -hmm. I mean, that to me is like, compounding yeah you know traumas compounding anxieties compounding mm -hmm. depressions and so it starts from when you're even con when you've conceived you know mm -hmm. on providing a, a safe space providing a calm space for your child and so that not only do they pick up um on the things that are going on around you as you're pregnant but then the unidentified or unexpected uncommon inherited traumas and then the environmental traumas so right. it's like we have to be in a bubble almost you know mm -hmm. to create a safe space mentally and emotionally for our children and for ourselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and so let's talk about the stigma right mm -hmm. there's this stigma about going to therapy um, just for ourselves as adults. Mm -hmm. But then what about having the stigma of saying my child needs therapy? Because then it's like, oh, I'm not a bad, you're telling me I'm a bad parent. So where my child needs help, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it's not that, but a lot of people, they want to bury these traumas and these anxieties or throw prayer on it and throw some sage on it, you know, which if that's your belief, if you believe in, you know, the power of prayer, which I do believe in the power of prayer, but you mm -hmm. pray without works is dead, right? Where's mm -hmm. the work? And so if you're saging, I'm going to say sage without works is dead. You mm -hmm. still have to work on those things that have been buried. And so I tried to um, explain to a parent one time, like your child needs help. You know, they need support. And when I tell you this woman called me every name in the book, she cursed me out and my baby ain't crazy. And, you know, you're not going to tell me that my child is crazy. And I'm saying, I'm not saying that your child is crazy. What I am saying is that they need support. Right. And so do you agree to, uh, with me that your child needs support, that they've experienced loss after loss after loss? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They've experienced things that most people haven't experienced in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. They have these unexplainable outbursts and behaviors because of the anxiety and the depression and the, mm -hmm. just the things, you know, all of the things in life that this person has experienced, do you agree that they need the support? You know, mm -hmm. if your child was physically ill with a cold, if they had a broken bone, you would take them to a doctor right. to get the support. This is the mm -hmm. same thing. They're just mm -hmm. emotionally wounded, you know, mentally mm -hmm. wounded, not saying that they're crazy, but that they need support. And I think when you kind of frame it, in a cute little package, you know, people understand, but why do we have to do that? Like where, why is there this stigma around getting the help and the support mentally that you need, especially when now you have these um, unidentified behaviors or unidentified mm -hmm. traumas and stresses that were inherited? I think it, it comes down to the cultural aspect within our community. Unfortunately, I think 
um, you know, there's just this idea that we do not air our dirty laundry to other people. Yes. You know, we have to keep what happens here stays here. There's never this, um, we never want to share what's, what's the darkness that's happening in our home. Um, and so we really have to introduce therapy in a way that is beneficial for them. And if mm -hmm. it means wrapping it up in a little package, then so be it. But, um, but what we just need to do more of is educating people on what therapy really looks like. I think people just have this idea that, you know, therapy is for a certain demographic of people, it's for people with money, it's for people who have access, and it really is not. There's so many of us, especially those therapists in the BIPOC community who are looking to, to serve our underserved mm -hmm. communities, and we really want to create a safer space for them to know that therapy is not scary, therapy is literally just you coming in and and talking through some of the hardest things that you may have never had a chance to talk through. And those people who come as first timers to therapy and when they realize after their first intake session, after I go through their intake and I ask them at the end of their session, I say, so how was that for you talking through, you know, all of these things together? And they were like, wow, I didn't realize that that was actually good. Like I, I think I needed to talk about that. I needed to get that out of my, out of my system. And so I think it's really, it comes down to relationship building and rapport with, with um, our, our families and just ensuring that, you know, we're not here to, you know, judge. We're not here to question your, your methods. Mm -hmm. We're just simply learning more about how have these methods worked for you and your family. And if they haven't really been helpful, let's figure out a plan to see what will work and will be more helpful. And so we're not taking away from their parenting style. We're just showing them other skills that might be more easily um, received by their children as opposed to the styles that they've been used to because that's what's been handed down to them for generations. Um, so we really never want to question their parenting skills. We just want to just provide an additional, some additional resources and skills that they could use. That way they can have a more harmonious home and their kids can have a harmonious life experience. That's good. So it's interesting you say, uh, you know, harmonious home, but I have um, just four tips, right? That was, that were in the book that talked about mapping your home or mapping your mm -hmm. feelings and your expressions. And so it said to start with your core complaint. And so that's your core language that describes your deepest worry or your deepest struggle or complaint. And so that's how you begin to identify, right? Mm -hmm. And then identify your core descriptors. So the core language describing your parents or your grandparents, mm -hmm. and then your core sentence. So the core language that describes your worst fear and also describing your parents and then your core trauma. So the events or events in your family that sit behind your core language. So listening to the language that you're saying that describes you and then talking to family, right? And identifying mm -hmm. who and where it comes from and then identifying the core events or the core traumas mm -hmm. that sit behind that core language. And I thought that was so deep. I said, there's a lot of conversations that need to be had now, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. just to identify a lot of things. And so now when I have people to, that come to me um, with just different scenarios or different behaviors in their children, now I start asking questions. You know, I start thinking, you know, how I talk about being curious all the time, but it goes even deeper from being curious to asking specific questions. Like, Correct. these are the behaviors, and this is the language that I put towards the behaviors of your child 
you know, what of that identifies things that maybe you've gone through or your parents have gone through. Mm-hmm. And I had um, a person I was talking to whose great grandmother was from a country where they had to flee, you know, mm-hmm. because of the war. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the behavior of the child is just to run away and to scream and just thinking that something is. And I'm like, that speaks volumes to what their grandparent has experienced. Mm-hmm. And it's only by doing the deep dive into an unexplained, you know, uncommon inherited trauma that I thought back to this is it, you know, yeah. and it, it's I'm sure when people now that, you know, we've had this discussion and people are listening, they're going to it's going to start making sense. I think the links are going to start linking, you know, and they're going to start making these these identifications of their behaviors, their children's behaviors and events that happen in their family's past. And so one written exercise and it's um, it's like a little read. I want to read it, though, so that our listeners can um, hear the written exercise that is given as as a tool. Right. Mm -hmm. To to make peace with your family history. And so it says, making peace with your family history. One, write down the core language that has the greatest emotional charge or that evokes the most emotion in you when you speak it out loud. Number two, also write down the traumatic event or events that are connected to this core language. Number three, list all the people whose lives were touched by this event. Who was most affected? Your mother, your father, a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt. Who isn't acknowledged or talked about? Is there a sibling who, who was given away or didn't survive? Did a grandparent or great-grandparent leave the family or die young or suffer in some terrible way? Was a parent or grandparent engaged or married previously? Is that person acknowledged in your family? Is there anyone outside of your family who was judged, rejected, or blamed for harming a family member? Number four, describe what happened. What images come to mind as you write this? Take a minute and visualize what they might have felt or gone through. What's happening in your body as you think about this, right? So the body mm-hmm. sensations. Mm-hmm. Number five, are there any family members you feel particularly drawn to? Do you feel yourself being pulled in emotionally? Does it resonate in your body? Where in your body do you feel this? Is it a place where you're familiar with? Do you experience sensitivity or symptoms in that same area? Number six, place your hand there and allow your breath to fill that area. Number seven, visualize the family member or members involved in this event. Tell them, you are important. I will do something meaningful to honor you. I will make something good come out of this tragedy. I will live my life as fully as I can, knowing that this is what you want from me. And number eight, construct your own personal language that acknowledges the unique connection you share with this person or these people. When I read that, I said, wow. that's, that's the thing, right? That's all of the things that you need to do to kind of identify the family trauma, the family, um, you know, anxiety or depression mm-hmm. that's being passed down and start to begin the healing process, mm-hmm. you know, and, and seeking a therapist or seeking the tools and the strategies that you need to just yeah. get through, to resolve the unresolvable. And that's, and that's the goal to get to that space. But I think it's getting past the hurdle of just willing, be willing to do it, the readiness of mm-hmm. doing that. And I right. think that's where people are stuck. It's just that idea of if we bring all this up, it's just going to create a lot of emotions and feelings. And a lot of people are yeah. afraid of feelings. You know, folks don't really want to feel. 
it's easy to avoid it. It's easier just to bury it, avoid it, out of sight, out of mind. Um, yeah. I work with a client, you know, who's dealing with some really heavy grief, but, you know, thinking about the, the, the event creates her, her whole day is done. She can't mm -hmm. go on because just thinking about that event and processing her feelings in that event, it, it just shuts her whole day down. And so some people are just not in a space of readiness to move mm. forward. But ideally, that is exactly what we want to see. We want to see them get to a place where they start to unpack these, these things, these issues, and where this trauma really underlies. But that's the challenge. That's where we sit. So I have a question. So if you had a, a patient, so you have a patient that's, that's like that, and their day is shot once they begin to dive into the hard things, right? The hard mm -hmm. conversations. Mm -hmm. Do you suggest it be a top of the morning, you know, session mm -hmm. or an end of day session? Or is there a happy, like what are the tools and strategies that you have to help a person like that where you know this is going to be, you know, a hit to their day? But yeah. that that tells them like it's hard, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. the hard work, but it's needed. And that's the difficulty with when it comes to dealing with grief, grief clients. It's mm -hmm. like as much as you would like them to go ahead and open that door to explore what their grief is, it's mm -hmm. kind of, you have to kind of tread lightly there. Um, mm -hmm. Because one thing about, about grief, especially when it feels like you're trying to kind of push them towards that feeling, they do, they'll, they'll, they'll avoid, they'll run, you know, they'll, they'll feel like, you know, you're forcing me to think this through and I don't, not, I don't want to do that. So it's really about meeting that client where they are in that moment and just kind of, okay, so how are you, you know, you just take it day by day. How is today? Yeah. How does today feel? Um, did you think about this event today? And if so, what came up for you? And so really just kind of giving them that autonomy to just walk themselves through the event in their own way. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they still talk about it, but they just don't talk about it in a in that deep, you know, un, unlayering piece because it's just too heavy for them. Um, yeah. And normally, you know, whether it's at the end of the day or in the morning, a lot of them just choose that. I think this is safe for me right here, right now. And then eventually over time, they may start to feel this push to, okay, I really need to, I, I need to address the fact that, you know, I'm not able to function without thinking about it this way. So it's really following through with the client and where they want to, and where they want to be led because, or where they feel is best for them to be led because it's, such a delicate balance when it comes to grief. And it's just, it's just hard to, to gauge that. So before we get out of here, I want you to tell the people where they can find you. Of course, you know, if you are dealing with grief, as she said, or the unconscious reliving of, of traumas and depression that goes on from generations to generations, if they're looking for a licensed professional counselors, a counselor, um, where can they find you? So you all can find me. I am, um, my website is truthtohealingcounseling.com. Um, it's chock full with all the information there for you as far as what therapy modalities I work with and um, mm -hmm. my mission and my approach to therapy. So I break it all down there. You can also find me on several other platforms like Psychology Today or Therapy for Black Girls, which happens to be a very popular uh, platform now. Mm -hmm. So folks are finding me there. Um, and of course, you know, word of mouth, I'm hearing people, you know, finding me through other people that worked with me before. So um, I'm more than willing and happy to just work with anyone who is dealing with 
um, these, these topics that we're talking about today as it relates to inter intergenerational trauma um, and family systems and things of that sort. So yeah, look me up. Thank you. Yes, please reach out to her. Would you like to leave us with any final thoughts before I do the takeaways? Yeah, so um, I guess my final thought can be that intergenerational traumas, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very real thing. You know, it, even though we might be looking at our, our current families right now and we might see them to be, you know, thriving and growing, you know, there could very well be um, a space there where there might be something that hasn't been, that's been unresolved. And so I really encourage families and, um, and everyone who's involved to just take a moment to kind of dig deep and see if there's anything there that might need to be addressed. Because yes, it does impact your, your children. It'll impact your children's children. It goes on and on and on. And so it takes at least one person in the cycle to break that cycle, to finally say, this is where we stop this. This is where we're done. Um, and it's a, it's a difficult space on both ends. There are people that are dealing with the trauma and are comfortable in that. And there are people who are wanting to break it. So choose which side you want to be on in order for you all to move forward and be whole and heal and whole again. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And with that, I'll give you our teaching through the eyes of trauma takeaways. Number one, name your feelings and the body sensations. Number two, identify the origin or the trigger of the trauma and make peace with your family history. Number three, do the work towards healing. Create healing affirmations. Like instead of reliving what happened, I promise to live my life fully. I'll use what happened as a source of strength. I will honor my family legacy by living my life fully. And number four, heal first, educate always. Begin the healing process by talking to someone, then educate yourself on the best course of action to heal from your inherited trauma. Thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you being here. As always, thank you for giving us those nuggets and those gems and just mm -hmm. wise counsel on what to do when we have inherited trauma. And so I want to thank you for being here and for having this discussion and conversation with me. Please come back to Teaching Through the Eyes of Trauma oh, to grace us with your presence. Absolutely. And if you are looking for professional development for trauma-informed practices, please visit us at innerearagency.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-E-A-R-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.